Hey, everybody. Welcome to Uncommon Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Brian April, and I'm really excited today uh, for today's episode uh, for a couple reasons. One, uh, our guest is a very, very funny comedian. Uh, he performs all over the country, and he's uh, also an expert at producing shows. He also books comedy clubs uh, for, for certain comedy clubs. So I think there's a lot of insight that uh, we'll be able to get. Um, he's a, a a friend of mine, uh, I've worked with him many, many, many times. Absolutely love him, and I know you guys are going to love him too. So let's welcome in the one, the only, Mr. Bijan Mustafavi. What's up, Bijan? Hey, what's going on, on, dude? Uh, right. Not much. How you doing, man? Thanks for having uh, me on. Uh, my pleasure, my pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, excited to have you on the show for a couple reasons. As I said, one, there's a lot of knowledge that you, um, you, you possess. And I also wanted to say this. I don't think I've ever said this to you. When I, when I first came back from um, my facial paralysis and I, I had a break from comedy, mm-hmm. you were one of the first comedians to kind of uh, accept me into the, into the, the scene and, and kind of just encourage me to just go for it and uh, just kind of push me back and go like, Oh no, you're, you're a pro, oh, wow. you know what you're doing, like go doing that. So I'm, I'm always very uh, thankful for that. And uh, Oh wow. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. Idea. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I think yeah, uh, your, your material is really funny. You have this great likability uh, on stage. You get great uh, facial um, animations and expressions. And uh, your you. material is really great. And uh, I'm just really glad you're here. And the, the real reason... This uh, is the be- best podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. And, but here's, here's the thing. Here's the real reason I have you on the show. Uh, the real yeah. reason I have you on the show is to finally prove once and for all that we are not the same person. <laughs> even though there is split screen on these yes things, they, they will still someone will still confuse us uh for for those watching or listening uh Bijan and i have done so many shows together but there will be honestly it's been yeah it's got to be seven eight nine times where you will go on and do a set and i won't be on the show at all i'll just be hanging out and yeah. then after the show they come up to me and they're like you were so funny that's happened to me with you. I've yeah. had someone ask me, they're like, you're the guy that ordered the goat, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even on this show tonight. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, that's so funny. Yeah. I and think I, the worst, the worst one though, is I had like a, a 20 minute conversation with a guy who worked with you a lot at, at some event, some film event. I think I know who he is. Yeah. And he was just like talking to me and I'm trying to be polite because <laughs> I, I have no idea who the guy is. And I'm like, all right, maybe I just don't remember him because we meet a ton of people. Well, and then yeah, yeah. he finally turns to his wife. He's like, honey, come, come here. Bijan's here. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> Yeah, part of me was like, I should just go off on his wife and just be like, wow, that Bijan's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny. Everyone's like, I, I just ran into Brian. His impressions are actually terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just sounds like himself. <laughs> so funny. But his Las Vegas joke is killer. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> so funny. Uh, so yeah, um, so let's let's talk a little bit about um, comedy. Uh, what inspired you to to start doing stand up? Um, man, man, I, I always kind of wanted to do it. Um, I always liked making people laugh. Uh, grew up trying to make my mom laugh. Um, but I, I remember it was I think it was two thousand nine because I started in two thousand ten. Uh, our buddy uh, John in our friends group, we'll we'll call him John. 
uh, that's his real name. So we'll just call him <laughs> that. And uh, he he called like our buddy circle and was like, "Hey, I'm doing I'm doing stand up for the first time. I'm doing the open mic at the at the comedy store." And we all called each other on the side and we're like, "Hey, we got to go see John because this is going to be terrible." Like John, out of everybody, <laughs> I was like, "John's the last one that should do this." And we went and we saw him. And as expected, uh, he bombed terribly. But while I was there, I was watching a lot of really good comics bomb, like comics you could tell were funny, but they were just playing around. And that's where I, I was like, oh, you could you you suck first. Like you're not very good and then you get better. I could do that. I could be not good. Right. And then I like I tried one mic and I had like 50 friends there. Or I, I don't know about 50. It felt like 50. I had like 20 friends there and it, it went really well. And then I, I did another one where I had no friends there and I bombed so hard. <laughs> oh, so I, I had seven minutes. I did three. I left. I left early. I was pounding. Uh, but like I kept trying again and again. And like it, it kind of just snowballed. I think from that, that first time I had so much fun, I just kept wanting to do that again. Mm-hmm. But what inspired me was kind of seeing my friend who we never thought would tell a, a joke, like get up there and try to be funny. And I was like, oh, if he, he's going to do it, I have to at least try it. You know, I've been wanting right. to do it forever. So that's really kind of all my career to John Dodge. <laughs> uh, when, who are your influences, uh, comedic influences? <sighs> Growing up, I was, a, I was a huge Jim Carrey fan, like comedy in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I My dad loved Tim Allen. So I, okay. I, I grew up uh, on Tim Allen. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Kevin James physically physical comedy mm-hmm. um but as far as stand-up i really like uh like brian regan uh i like bill burr um i'd say i've always uh followed jim gaffigan so it, it's kind of a mix right um, i i always follow comedy as a whole not necessarily just stand-up but uh ah, there, there's there's so many that i feel like inspired me i feel like it, at first i kind of just saw or i just started with what I knew and I kind of emulated a little bit and I feel like uh, very, it was very Kevin James esque. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, as I see more and learn more, learned more from other comedians when I started, I kind of like, I don't want to say like picked their styles, but learned how to do different things. And then I kind of fell right. into my own. Uh, well, the, but, yeah, there's definitely techniques that you go, Oh, I like the way they, they do this or I like the way they pause on this punchline and I can incorporate. Exactly. That. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'd say I'd say at the beginning I listened to Brian Regan a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I'd say him, uh, Kevin James as a whole. Um, I grew up on Jim Carrey too, so I was going to be in comedy in some fashion. Right, right. But just it, do you, have you ever seen? Uh, just uh, talking about Kevin James, have you ever seen his special "Sweat the Small Stuff"? Yes, <laughs> it is yeah. so good, dude. That's that is one of my favorite specials. Yeah, that is <laughs> like a top five for me. I don't know how how well it holds up now. Uh, but I've seen it. I don't know how many times, and it's just phenomenal. It's, oh, it's great. so good. Yeah, yeah, great combination of physicality and and attitude and acting and just timing and. And he's so genuine. You feel like that's him. Yeah, like he's not. It's not an act. It's that's that's how he is. Yeah, and it totally. It's just for me. I'm like, oh, that's me. Like I totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's a really cool one. So you obviously remembered your first show. You said you had uh, about twenty people there. Yeah. And then comedy punched you in the face. Uh, the hard. next show. Pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. How did that, uh, how was the, the early days kind of starting out? What's, you know, because a lot of people have no idea. They think you just, I mean, you hear it. They go, oh, you just get there and wing it. Whoa. Oh, God. How did things yeah, kind of like, how long did it take for things to sort of start to like click into place for you? 
Well, they it took it see when I first started, I, I think I did it wrong. I didn't go to a lot of open mics. I did a lot of shows. Okay. Because I had a lot of friends in town, and I was getting on these shows uh, with producers that wanted people to bring people to the shows. So I was kind of felt this pressure to try to write new stuff every time. So mm-hmm. for like the first ten shows I did, I tried to write a new six minutes every time. Needless oh, wow. to say, it, it was bad every single time. <laughs> uh, I had friends there, so they'd laugh for me. But I, I learned then that I was like, oh, man, I got to do like mics and bars and some other shows just to try stuff out. And then, you know, people told me eventually you got to work on the same stuff a little bit to get timing. You have to practice jokes on different crowds. You can't just throw it away. But my problem was I just had the same friends coming. So I was trying to like write something new for them. Right. And I was catering it towards that those individual shows rather than just growing as a comic. Once I started kind of going to shows that were more difficult, um, I feel like that's when things clicked a little more because I was less worried. Because once you have some horrible bombing moments, you're, you each each time you bomb, you get more bulletproof. Right. Absolutely. That's what I said. So after the first few, you're like, oh, this is the worst that happens is you just bomb and then that's it. Right. I mean, just... it, it sucks, but you're alive. It's okay. Exactly. <laughs> So when that clicked, I was like, oh, I can try some things because all that will happen is it won't work. So, right. Um, yeah. I'd say I'd say it was a good two years in, though, before I actually really started clicking like that. Okay. It took yeah, me it, a while. It, it's interesting because you mentioned, you know, the uh, bringer show. If you want to explain briefly to, to people who may not know comedy lingo what a bringer show is. So <clears throat> a bringer show is when, it, when someone produces a show at a comedy club. Uh, that it's not necessarily the club themselves. So someone will be in charge of the show and they'll they'll book the comics. Um, and what will happen is that producer will usually get paid off how many people are in the crowd. Um, so they will approach newer comics who aren't that good, who have a lot of friends that want to see them perform for the first time or one of the newer times and have them come to their show um, and perform on their show so that they'll bring all their friends and all their friends will buy tickets. And then a, a lot of times that's that's the gist of a bringer show and they pack like nine or 10 new comics on there. It's a full crowd, but the show uh, is generally pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, there, there's different things. It's always good to promote shows that you're on. And when you're new, you want to get on shows and try as hard as you can, but there are producers that just go for new comics that, that can just bring, they don't care about the jokes that they tell or if they're dirty or clean or if they're funny. Uh, right. they, that's when I consider it a bringer type. Yeah. Show. Yeah, and they're they're like you said, they're generally not good, and it's, right. it's just a, a way that they uh, take advantage of these newer comics. Uh, yeah, I'm exactly. not a fan of them. I try, I've tried to yeah. to not do those. Um, it, it's interesting because you know we talk about like when your friends when you're starting out, they're all excited, and you can only uh, I don't want to say burn that bridge, but bring them in so many times to see you because then oh, you yeah. start getting that. You know, you feel that pressure to do something different. Oh, and then yeah. after a while, they're like, oh, you're doing the same material or, oh, yeah. it's this. And then eventually they, they will not come to see you no, at they're all. Done. They're done. <laughs> yeah. And then it's so weird when other people think you're funny. They're like, oh, he, you like him? <laughs> they're like, That's yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it, it it almost is like burning bridges. <laughs> yeah, like, nah, just nah, very slow, slow burning yeah, bridges. Very slow. You light <laughs> it, and then yeah. <laughs> so this is a question I like to ask uh, everybody: What's the best advice that you received about comedy, stand up, in particular? Um, I've I've received a lot of good advice, and uh, Patrick DeGear's given me a lot of good advice over the years. Um, 
he's a comic out of San Diego. He's booked me on a lot of military shows and like things all over. Um, he kind of mentored me when I first started. But I remember one of the things that stuck with me the most was Mal Hall. He's a comic around mm -hmm. San Diego. And I remember reaching out to him when I was new. And I was doing all these bringer shows. I was not good yet. Um, but I remember reaching out to him and being like, hey, man, when can I get on your show? Like super cocky, like I was good. And he messaged me back. And he was, he, he was right. But he was like, yeah, that wouldn't be a good thing for either one of us right now. And then I was like, oh, man, ouch. And then I remember him being like, well, you just need to get on stage. You just need to keep going up on stage. And it won't make sense now, but it will later once you do it. And right. it, it's it's such simple advice, but until you just get up there and get up there and get up there, it doesn't sink in how important that is because then you build that comfortability and then you find your voice on stage. So him just saying to get up there and get up there, and get, it made it so simple for me. I was like, I just got to keep trying this and then eventually I'll, I'll find my rhythm, my voice, my jokes or whatever you want to call it. But um, I, I think that's, that's what stuck with me the most. Um, and I, I remember I remember Zoltan in the very beginning just saying, like, hey, man, you're doing good. Just be nice to everybody because you, you never know who's going to be huge one day. Right. And I was like, I like that. I remember liking that advice. I was already trying to be nice to people, but I was like, I like that guy. I like that it, advice. Yeah, that's Those great advice. Stuck with me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because you never know. Like you said, you never know. I've seen it where uh, someone on the wait staff is at a club and – uh, oh, yeah. eventually over the, the time, you know, the manager goes and then they bump up to assistant manager and manager, and then all of a sudden they're booking and they have say on, on yeah. who, who's coming in. And yeah, exactly. It, it's exactly. just, it's very weird. So you, you talked about, um, kind of, um, hanging out with Patrick DeGear in the, the beginning. Yeah. Um, did you get any, uh, for, for people who don't know Patrick, he has, uh, he's, uh, legally blind. And so he gets a lot of, uh, newer comics that'll help him drive to, to shows or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I did that when I started with a, another comic who had gotten a DUI. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I lived a town away yeah, and yeah. yeah, you know, it was a really, you know, I got a lot of grief for it. They're like, Oh, you're just his little, you know, taxi and i was like well i'm picking this guy's brain every chance i can somebody who I, I respect in the industry uh you know he brought me along and then he's like hey come do a guest spot and he introduced me to club owners and other comedians yeah. that i never would have gotten and i got to yeah. kind of sit under the learning tree was that something yeah. you kind of found as well or it definitely was yeah and uh with him it, the thing is uh yeah he needs rights to show so he has newer comics help him out with that uh but he's a legit comic and he was mm -hmm. george lopez's feature for however many years and he's he's super good and i remember even after that on he stays with you like even on shows where he doesn't need drives anymore they'll still call me up and use me and he he did that after the fact he got he turned into a good friend to where he like he would give me advice on the side he would um he would try to help me as much as he could and like you said i feel like everybody that he brought me around or introduced me to was either someone i recognized and already knew as a comic and was like stoked to meet them Mm -hmm. Or it just really helped me out. That's awesome. So it's like, um, yeah, he was great. Yeah, it's and it's again, you just never know what connection is going to bring you where. So, yeah, exactly. uh, what is? Tell us a little bit about your writing process. What's kind of the way you handle things? Uh, I have a. It's hard for me to sit down and write. Like I can't sit down and say like, all right, I'm going to flush these ideas out. I kind of have to do it when it comes to me, and it comes to me at weird times. So. Um, Whenever I think of something that I think might be material, I'll write the general idea down uh, mm -hmm. in my phone or on my computer. 
And uh, rather than writing things all out in a joke, um, personally for me, I like to start with the funniest part. I almost always know the punchline before I know the rest of the joke. Because um, a lot of people start at the beginning and then they try to write a, write a punchline. Usually when something funny pops into my head, that's the punchline. And then I think to myself, what's the shortest amount of words I could use to get to that punchline? What's the quickest story I could tell? What's the fastest way to get there? So I try to like know that I have that funny part locked in. Mm-hmm. Whatever made me laugh in my head is going to be the punchline, even if I don't know how to word it yet. And then I try to think of a story or a route to get there. And that's my basis. From there, I start tagging it up and, and cutting words out, trying it on stage. But it's usually based on something that I want to tell. Like I, I have a few stories in in my act and one of them getting chased by bees. And that was a real story. I wanted to get to that one part. So I like backtracked the whole story into a, a bit. But um, I I don't have a, a type of stuff, a type of material that I try to narrow down on, but I, I do a lot of self-deprecation, make fun of my friends, uh, make fun of people lightheartedly that I care about. Right. Um, but I try to make fun of everything and everyone. Um, but I, I can't set a hard time to like sit down and write. It has to be when it comes to me. And then I jot that idea down. And then later when I have time, I try to dissect that idea. How often would you say, or how long would you say it takes to get something from start to where it's consistently working. If you're getting up three or four or five times a week. You know what? It depends on what kind of joke it is, but it, I'll try something. I'll try something about five times. And if I don't get at least some kind of positive reaction to where I can, I feel like I can maneuver that into a good laugh. Eventually I'll throw that on the side and work on it later. Um, so I kind of take it up to a certain point. Um, so I'd say, I'd say four or five shows and to where I get it, to where I get a consistent laugh to where I'm comfortable to keep building it, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Um, but as far as it making it from ground, ground zero to a material, uh, they're all, they're all so different because I've had short jokes where I've tried it a couple times and like, Oh, that works, you know, just like a. Yep. a quick spring load into a bigger joke or something, but like a story, it'll, it'll take me a while. It'll take me like a good month or two to like flush it, flush out all the details you don't need and like make sure it's funny enough to have all that, all that content in one, you know? Cool. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's such a, an interesting process. Um, it is. I like how, hearing how people do it too. Cause I feel like comics out of everybody writes so different. Yeah. I mean, I know some people who have to sit and write it, you know, type yeah. it out. Some have yeah. to physically write it. Some like I'm a rant guy, so I'll rant yeah. it out and record it. And then I kind of the same to you as I go, Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Let me jot that down and I'll say it out loud 10 times. So I start to get the the shape of it. Then I write it down. So then I can start going through the minutia of, you yeah. know, cut this, cut that. And Mm-hmm. So it, it, yeah, there's so many different styles of, of writing. Some uh, sometimes I write on stage, and you know you're right. just doing it enough. And, yeah, and it definitely has to be on stage too. It has to be yeah. like a pro- it's you can never just write something and then use it. Like you right. have to go back to it. I wish it was that easy. You just sit here and you're like, I'm gonna tell this stuff. Yeah, I'm exactly. gonna kill. <laughs> and sometimes what I'll do too is I, I tell people to record every set. Um, and then I listen to it because the more you listen to it, um, 
you you almost take away the personal aspect of it and then it's like if you're watching tv and you go oh you know what'd be funny is if he said this yes you start doing that to your own material and i think you notice the the parts that you don't like because you put yourself in the mindset of the crowd mm-hmm. and, and if you look uncomfortable or sound uncomfortable in any any point you're like oh man that's that's not good i should change that and uh I, I noticed that a lot when I watched myself on tape or listened to it. I'll pick out all the parts that I can't stand the most. And I, I think that a lot of people do that, uh, but but it's good. It's it's right. good to do that. It's good to not like certain things, so you can always keep getting better. Um, but like you said, that it brings up these these pockets where you're like, oh man, I didn't even think about this while I was saying the joke. But if you take time to actually listen to it, it puts you in a different mindset. Yeah. Super good idea. I I wish I would do that more. I don't have the heart to because I always get mad in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I could listen to them. I listen to them more often than watch them. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I'll record on my phone often if it's a new joke, and then I could play it in the car, like on the way home, and then try to dissect it through there. Out of curiosity, since you brought it up, where you say you just kind of get mad at yourself, and uh, it's comics, we all kind of beat ourselves up. How do you deal with that mentally? You know, was. <laughs> me, I just quit watching the videos. So I don't know. I'm not really, I'm mentally broke me. I, uh, I watched uh, me, me and Josh Lawson. We uh, like two years ago. We watched our very first set. Oh, I, I felt like I was get, watching puppies get punched in the face. It was the hardest <laughs> thing to watch. And we watched mine first, and I was so embarrassed. And there was only two of us there. Yeah. (laughs) So embarrassed. And then Josh's came on. And Josh is a clean comic, but for his first few shows, he he was so nervous, he kept cussing. And we were like, oh, no. Like, we were watching it together. And he was like, no. And then he buried his face in the couch. (laughs) I was like, this is rough, man. (laughs) That's the most painful thing. You just want to claw your face off. Yeah. Yeah, you do. But it's – I mean, you gotta, you gotta do it to get better. It's like, I, I joke around about it, but, uh, it's, it, it, do, it makes you a lot better. Yeah. If you watch yourself like that, you, you have to see what the crowd sees. Well, and I think that happens even like now, if you were to go back and watch stuff you did a year ago, you're like, Oh, oh this yeah. joke is so much better now. And I'm such a better performer than, you know, that, or it, yeah. It's this never ending cycle of just punching yourself in the face. Always, <laughs> always hating the old guy. Yeah, exactly. Median from last year. Yep. Speaking of uh, terrible shows, this is my favorite question. What was your worst show ever? Dude, that, this is, that's such a hard <laughs> question. And I, I knew you were going to ask me that, but I still, okay. So <laughs> worst show, the worst, Worst show I ever did was um, at the El Cajon Main Tap uh, on El Cajon Boulevard, and it was at a bar. And it was a no, oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna this one. It was a, it was a El Cajon, and uh, it's the Main Tap. Uh, I was I was headlining, so I was last, and I was watching comic after comic go up there and and get just destroyed by not only drunk hecklers from the back and a racist guy. <laughs> they kept shouting racist stuff that wasn't relevant to any of the material that any of the comics were saying. So it wasn't a, a heckler you can engage. No security. Uh, and then like like a couple 
in their mid forties to mid fifties arguing um, passive aggressively the whole show uh, until I get up there. And then I'm telling a couple jokes and, uh, <laughs> and I hear, I hear, uh, I hear the guy go, well, fine then. And he slams his beer down and he walks in front of the stage. Uh, and then she's screaming at him and I can't, I can't remember what she's saying, but he turns around and starts yelling back at her. So I'm on the stage and then there's a guy on the right of the stage and there's a woman on the left of the stage and they're screaming at each other and they're walking towards each other. And I'm trying to explain how I don't fit on the Southwest plane. This is the hardest <laughs> moment. <laughs> and they're like coming at each other. And I don't know if they're going to fist fight or what, but they both grab each other like they're going to grapple. And I'm like, I don't know if I should stop this. And I'm, I'm watching them and everyone's watching me. And then they laugh and then break up and then go back and say, so I was like, oh, okay, they're joking. He went and got a beer. I keep trying to uh, tell my joke. And one of the one of the guys in the back that, that I told you about earlier, like the tough guys that were sitting in the back, the racist guys, mm-hmm. he yelled out a slur at me. And I was like, oh, uh, physically based on who I am and what I look like, that's an incorrect slur, but very rude anyways. <laughs> and then... That as I'm explaining, that the dude, the guy from the couple comes back angry again, starts screaming back at the woman. They start arguing, okay? And I say something to them. The guy comes on stage, and I'm like, oh, he's going to fight me. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. And then I put I put uh, the mic back in the stand and like kind of like to, to push him away, but he – he hops up on stage and he takes his shirt and flips it inside out, like over, over his, his neck to make a bra. And then he starts making fun of his wife. Like he is his wife. <laughs> he's like, bah, 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 bah. I'm bah, bah. And he's like, this is why we're fighting. And then she runs up on the stage and she's like, well, no, he didn't do this. Starts cussing him out. So I put the mic in between them. <laughs> And they start yelling at each other. And then that was the only time that whole set that I got a laugh. Uh, eventually, someone from the bar came and talked to them. They got off the stage. I told a joke to no laughter. Three guys in the back threatened to beat me up, and then I closed. <laughs> that was the worst show I've ever – that was worse than someone getting stabbed in the ear by their girlfriend during uh, a show that I had. That wow. was the worst one. Someone got stabbed in the ear? Yeah, it was at a pizza biker place, and it was Ryan Shore's show. And there was a couple arguing on the side, and I looked over, and he's, like, bleeding. And there's all this blood on his hands and, and shirt. And I'm like, what happened? And then someone else was like, his girlfriend stabbed him with a fork. And I was like, where did she run away? And they're like, no, she's over there. She was at the bar ordering a drink. Security comes, grabs the guy, takes him outside. The girl goes out there with him. Ten minutes later, they both come back in, sit down, and just watch the rest of my set. The guy has toilet paper. <laughs> it was like they all knew each other. <laughs> so they're like, oh, that's that's just Fred and Wilma. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, you have to just go be like, yeah, this is totally normal. You have to yeah, act like, this is totally normal. No big deal. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm over here like, yeah, it's so beef. Just uh, <laughs> no beef. <laughs> it's confusing to me. Because <laughs> you can't escalate the situation. No, you know, like, no, at that point, you can't call it out. Uh, I... All I said was, whoa. I remember going, whoa. <laughs> Did 
did you just kill that guy? Like when, <laughs> when they said she's over there and I'm like, and you're still here, but then no one, no one did anything. <laughs> like it was just so, cool. I was like, wow, this is, you guys, you guys love comedy. Cause everyone else in front of me was watching though. They were still watching and everyone was drunk and laughing, but everyone off to this, to the side was in this weird gang. Like, where, where did you get a fork? <laughs> we're in a bar. That's so crazy. Uh, yeah. We're talking with uh, Bijan Mostafavi. Uh, he's a comedian. You can follow him on Instagram at Bijan, B-I-J-A-N underscore comedy. And you can follow him at Twitter at uh, Bijan, B-I-J-A-N-S comedy, Bijan's comedy. Um, yeah. So how badly does your name get butchered? Um, it's funny that, that you say that because that's – I think that's why it's so easily to it's easy to mix this up. Besides mm-hmm. looks too, yeah. <laughs> so many people like even in emails, I'll be like, "Oh, Brian Mostafa." Like uh, <laughs> people call me Brian. There's no R. There's right. no Y. <laughs> there's an I. <laughs> there, there is a J. There's no Brian's with J's in them. Like I'll get uh, Brian, Bijan, Dijon. They'll add D because of the mustard. Like it's. Yeah. I ask Pete, it's funny because I'll have people just say my first name on stage so they don't get all nervous, but everyone can say my last name easier than my first. But, but I usually get like Bijan Mufasa. That's the, <laughs> that's the most common variation. Of Bijan, most of Favi, say it as wide yeah. as possible and you'll say it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I always had to remember it was uh, from the Brady Bunch because I, I originally said Bijan because I heard a few of your friends call you Bijan, which is always... A weird yeah. thing when your friends yeah, it, say it wrong. Yeah, it is. And then, you know, I just stopped correcting people because I was like, you know, I'm, I I know you're talking to me yep. <laughs> either way because it's not like Dave or Dove. Like you're not going to confuse them. That's a bad example, but <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. Trust me, I know. Especially when my yeah. last name is pronounced April, but it's spelled, you know, completely different. Do and people so, say Aprili a lot? Aprili, April. I got called Apple once. Apple? Which, uh, yeah. Apple and I was kind of like you. There, there's an R in there. Like Apple. at least try a little. April, April, yeah. R I L. Does this spell be Jan? Yeah. So, about is it a year ago now? You had a baby boy. Yeah. Well, not you, but you know, not you personally. Still carrying the baby boy. How is uh? How is that going? How are you finding balance with uh, comedy and, and family life? Uh, actually, pretty good. Uh, at first, it was hard, right? When he was born, I took a few months off just to be home with him and uh, with Brittany. Um, but yeah, it's really good, man. He he provides me with so much material. He's so much funnier than me already, and he's a year old. Um, I the the time shift is a little bit different because now I'm like up at 6 a.m. regardless of what day it is, regardless of how late I was up the night before on the show. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it provides me with a totally different perspective. Um, I'm a lot happier in a lot of aspects of my life, so I feel like it's it's motivating me more too. So I have um, I have more in my life to write about material wise, but I also have more of motivating me. So it's like the, the time, um, the time shifted a little bit, but I still get the same amount of writing done. Um, stage time is hard right now just cause of COVID, but it's, right. I, once everything's 
flexed out again, I'll still be able to get up a, a good amount. He passes out early, and then uh, I just go try to work these jokes and writing in the shower. Nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very cool. Um, but it's cool. I love it, man. Yeah, that's 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 great. It's a uh, you know, people always joke like, "Oh, I got married because I needed no more material," or "I had kids because I needed yeah, more material." Yeah, and, I know. But it's yeah. uh, I'm I'm really uh, really excited for you and happy for you. But let's talk a little bit about uh, producing shows and like booking and that sort of oh, stuff yeah. because uh, this is for uh, both comedians and for for comedy lovers. So it's for for people who do it and don't. Um, how did you get started producing your own show, and what was the benefit of that? <clears throat> well, initially, I think I. I, uh, I started really, really early. Like in my first year, I started producing shows at the Comedy Palace. And that was with an older comic that used to be there, J Jimmy Oyang. He was a comic from San Diego. And he started uh, with the Palace and he ran shows there. And he gave me a show, uh, seeing that I could run them because I had a lot of people come to shows. And I think he was like, hey, man, you're doing all these bringer shows. Why don't you just do your own show? And I was like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. So really just someone told me, hey, this is possible. You know, you could actually produce your own show. You're doing all the work. He kind of like slapped a little bit of sense into me in the beginning. I was like, oh, I, I could do this. And then I'm not doing this for everyone else. Right. And the benefit then was I'm a nobody, I'm, but I'm getting to pick the lineup. So when I'm inviting my friends to come out, I could pick a bunch of good comedians that are going to make them laugh. So that's what I did in the beginning. But then eventually that still runs out if you're the only one promoting. So you kind of got to learn how to balance things and, and promote good shows. Um, that that took a little while. I, I, I do it with a few other people. Um, and now I, I book uh, at the Comedy Palace on the weekends. But it's it's there's a lot of things you got to you have to balance to, to run a good show. And you know that you can't you can't just have people that can bring people because that turns into a bringer show and then the quality is terrible um and you have to have people that uh will be funny or people that will be respectful to the crowd that you have um you have to uh keep in mind that it is important to to book comics that don't mind promoting or that will uh help out with the crowd or or at least be responsive to them i always like to pick comics that are kind of cool with the crowd after the shows that are that are nicer to them um it's real. It was really a lot of trial and error at first. We ran a lot of bad shows too, where nobody showed up. Um, I've, it, the equivalent of bombing as a producer to me was so much worse than the equivalent of bombing as a comedian. Absolutely, because as a comedian, you're like, oh, my joke wasn't funny. That hurts my feelings, but I'll cry about it by myself later. As the producer, you're like, oh, I just failed these six comics. <laughs> I just made us all bomb. Right. <laughs> that was terrible. Either way it goes. If it gets canceled, it's bad. Or if you go up there and there's no one there, and then all the comics are always like, "Oh no, it's cool," but inside they're like, "Man, I hate this guy. I can't yeah. believe you're on this." And, well, and then, uh, then you have the aspect of the club where you're, they're like, "And that like people, and, and, like, you know, and what are you doing?" The wait staff is like, "Oh, we're not going to get any money tonight." And so we're not yeah, going to get paid. Yeah, that's another thing. It's not just the comics; it's the club. It's and it's the crowd that's in there. If it's a bad yeah. show, they're not going to come back to your next one either. So it's like. Uh, Producing is a gamble, and it, it I would uh, I would suggest starting a lot slower. I I kind of I jumped into it and started. I think we started doing one every other week or something like that. Right off the beginning, you you got to start. Just do one, take some time, do it right, and then slowly pick up the pace based on how well you're doing and how much fun you're having. 
And might I add, if you're not having fun producing, it's going to be terrible. So make sure it's a good time. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just work. Yeah. But when you produce a great show, it's, it's it also feels like killing. When you put on, there's a great crowd. Uh, all the comics are happy. Everyone's having a good time. That feels great. Right. Because yeah. there's always a lot of like new comics to go. How do I get stage time? And I always exactly. say producing your own show is a great way to do it. Exactly. So, uh, and it doesn't have to necessarily be at a comedy club. Um, yeah, right. What what would you look for in a, a different uh, venue than like a comedy club if you were uh, starting out? For, I would I would ask I would make sure that they they respect the show like it's a show and not a event that's going on at the same time as whatever is happening in the bar um, or bar or venue. Um, I know a lot of times people will will have a show but they'll also have like a, a baseball game on the TV or something. You have to have a venue that will want that to be the feature for the night. That's what's happening in the venue is there's a show. Uh, other than that. I I like venues that will make the crowd feel comfortable, um, enough space for a solid crowd, um, good sound. Uh, other than that, it's 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 more based on the people um, that I'm working with from the venue. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're really easy to work with, then we'll just keep doing that. And if they get and kind of understand how a show should flow after talking to us, then just keep doing us. But um, Initially, it's just really the space for a show, uh, where it's located, and if it can actually uh, function as as a mini club. Right, right. sound lights, sound lights. Because at first, you'll everyone will just get, when you first start and you start at shows, you're like, oh, there's a bar, there's a winery, there's a restaurant. I could do a show here. I've done a show every. I've done a show in taco shops. I've done a show in restaurants, video stores, bookstores. Like you can make it work. You'd be surprised where, but you'd be surprised what also doesn't work. Mm. And I think too, um, if I can just add on to that, because I agree yeah. with everything you said, I think, like you said, finding the the people at the venue and forming a partnership. Yes. Um, because people always go, oh, I want to make a lot of money or, you know, should I right. get a big budget? And that's stuff you kind of have to feel through and work through so that you can pull in a better comic. But, um, exactly. but it's also, you, you go into that understanding, like we're going to work together um, you're going to back us up as performers. We're going to back you up as the the venue, and we're all right. going to try to build this so that we can have a, a working relationship. And it's not about uh, as as the producer making all the money and you know to heck with the the club or the the venue. Right. And it shouldn't be the other way around where they get all the money and you know forget about the comedians. Right. So it's it's just finding that balance and and finding someone that you work well with. And I, I think that's a uh, that's a really great, that's a really great way to start. And like I said, yeah, and then you huge. get yourself a, a lot more advice uh, or a lot more uh, stage time. Um, yeah. What's one of the biggest mistakes you see a lot of new comics have uh, or do in the beginning? Cause you, you see a lot of new comics, a lot of comics come up to you and Hey, can I go on your show? I'm amazing. Uh, I'm the best ever. And what, uh, what, you see a lot of comedy. What, what are some of the things that people may or may not realize that they shouldn't be doing? That. <laughs> exactly that. Um, even I did that. Like I said, I mean, I remember asking Mal after a couple shows, I'm like, hey, let me on. Um, um, it's good to ask. It's always good to ask, but it's it's best to ask with modesty and uh, to to understand where you are when you're first starting. I mean, that that's like everyone's everyone's 
everyone should should do that. And when you when you're asking for spots or asking for time, uh, rather than say like, "Hey, when are you going to get me on?" Uh, approach it differently. Like, "Hey, what do I need to do to try to get booked with you? Like, what what do you look for? Can I submit to you something like that? What can I do to get booked on that show? Rather than a, "Hey, you owe me," because as a booker, uh, we don't owe you. And uh, a lot of people act like you do at first, and it's it's uh, it's just a bad move. So yeah, I, I, I typically don't even respond to people that act like that right off the bat, uh, even if they are really good, just because I'm like, oh, it's, that's the kind of attitude or people that I'm not going to want to work with later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I would say that's my biggest thing. So it's funny that you did that impression right off the bat. Uh, <laughs> but besides that, on like a like just getting uh, just getting better note, I would say the same thing that Mal did is it's just about getting on stage as much as you can and using that time to build yourself and to feel comfortable um, and try, try a lot of different stages. A lot of people will do an open mic at just one spot and then they'll, they'll just do that mic over and over and over again with the same exact material and not learn and progress and change. Just try a lot of different stages and then try to get comfortable. Just worry about that first. And yeah, I feel like once you do that and start hitting a lot of different stages then you kind of network a little bit too, and then you naturally build your way on, two shows and meeting bookers. And then you kind of slide into those weekend spots a little bit easier. Yeah. That's great advice because it's, there's so many people, like you said, just kind of do the one, one spot and they don't realize that every comedy show is different. Even if you're at the same Mm -hmm. club, yeah. First show is always second from different from second show. And you know, Mm -hmm. one week is different from another week. And so if you go to different parts of town where they're, they're maybe more conservative Mm -hmm. or they're more liberal or whatever it is. um, Yeah. You know, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with uh, uh, a cloud that's uh, mostly minorities versus mostly Caucasian versus, you know, is, is there a difference, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Different times, different days, different people. Yeah. It's, 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 you got to just hit it all as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Do you have any, uh, I, I like asking this one too. Do you have any like really funny, besides stabbing somebody in the ear, uh, do you have any other like really good, funny um, audience stories, whether it's something that you've been on stage when it's happened or when somebody else has been on stage? Um, I had, I had a guy fall asleep during the show <laughs> and uh, I was in a, a winery. Um, uh, we were doing a wine. <laughs> okay. I was last step and uh, there was a guy that was heckling in the front row. Uh, for like the whole show, I think till the comic before me. And then he fell asleep um, a couple minutes before I went on stage. I remember the host bringing me up. And then, <laughs> and then I remember five minutes into my set, he wakes up and he's so angry. Um, but I'm, I'm tell a joke, so, something, I, I don't know if there was laughter or someone clapped and it woke him up. And then he stood up and he was like, you're not funny. And then he sat back down and I was like, whoa, bro. Uh, I was like, you were asleep, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, it's not my fault you had a nightmare during my set and then woke up and blamed me. <laughs> like, you can't blame me for your bad dreams. And then he was like, that's not funny either. And then I was like, your friends are laughing. I was like, ask your friends if that was funny. And he looked over at his buddy and his buddy's like, yeah, it was pretty funny. And then he's <laughs> Hands up again. <laughs> no joke. He goes, no. He ripped his button shirt open. But 
<laughs> not all the way off. Like he ripped it and his arm was still in it. <laughs> and we're just standing here and I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, are you going to fight me in a homemade straight jacket? And then he's walking towards the stage and then the security comes and grabs him. And then they run, they, uh, everyone gets out their camera phones because that's what they, they do now. Right. And there's video now of them physically throwing this man out of the bar because he's cussing at them on the way out. And he's like, he's not funny. His head kind of hits the door on the way out. And then I remember going, all right, guys, I'll tell one more joke. And then I got to get out of here. <laughs> and then I... T- told one more joke and got out but the funniest thing to me was when he ripped his shirt his arm didn't come out <laughs> ripped it like the Hulk, like buttons popped out there's a gap oh no oh no <laughs> for a second it looked like he was fighting somebody by himself because he's trying to get out of his shirt it's like wow this is I, I, <laughs> I love the visual of him being dragged out by a couple people going, he's not funny. He's not funny. <laughs> Let me at him. He's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i don't know how to transition after that but uh, we'll just do it anyway that's a great that's a yeah. great story i love that story um let's talk a little bit about uh charity you have a, a an yeah. organization that uh you do a lot of work with and um i wonder if you can tell us a little bit about the the cause and and how you got involved with it definitely um the uh what we work with is uh, the Mido Research Fund. Uh, oh, dot org, but it's also called the Mido Research Fund. Um, we raise money for mitochondrial disease, which is a disease that um, affects the mitochondria within your body. And in the simplest of terms, um, mitochondria produces energy for your body. It breaks down food and, and provides energy to your body for basic functions and for growth. Um, but mitochondrial disease is when the mitochondria fail. So when you have food and air and everything that you need to convert into energy, your body can't do it right. So there's not enough energy to go around um, when you're a child for you know, full development. So things like motor skills, uh, speech, uh, just learning to walk, things like that are all impaired. And um, only 50% live past age 10, and then um, 90% of them don't live past 20. And uh, the reason I got into it is because I, my, my two best friends, Brandon and Christina, in high school, I set them up, and they got married, and they had two kids, uh, and both of their daughters have mitochondrial disease. Wow. Uh, they're 9 and 11, so... They're at, they're at a critical age, and the mitochondrial disease is linked to so many different diseases that it, it's worth putting tons of effort and research into because um, it'll it, it'll solve so many other problems, and it, it it's linked to multiple multiple diseases um, and things like autism and Alzheimer's. It's it's um, it's something that if if we put a lot of research into, it'll also help a lot of other people that aren't related to someone with mitochondrial disease. Yeah. I saw that. I was looking at the, their website and it's, yeah, so many different uh, things, you know, Parkinson's, like you said, uh, ALS yeah, and just, yeah. um, just so many different mm-hmm. things that, uh, you know, it, it's something I, I'd never really even heard of until um, you reached yeah. out, you know, not too long ago and asked <laughs> me to, to do something for, for the event you were doing. 
tell us a, a little bit about the event that you did and, and um, how, how that turned out. Uh, I was going to say, man, yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Everyone loved the Homer Simpson. Uh, <laughs> My pleasure. Happy to do so. Uh, yeah, it, it was really cool. We usually do a, a Mito 5K. Um, it's a 5K walk, run, jog. For me, it's a walk. Um, but there's also like bands and magicians and we have carnival games and uh, like food trucks and all this stuff. But because of COVID, we couldn't do any of that. So we did like a virtual 5K where we panned to different people on Facebook Live who were doing doing the 5K at home, working out at home somehow. And it was 80s themed. So everybody was dressing up in 80s gear and like doing bench presses with their kids and, and like you using a broomstick for curls, like just a bunch of funny home workout stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we panned to a bunch of different celebrities and comics um, and kind of made like a like a 90 minute just program for everybody to watch and almost did like a telethon where people could um, donate online. And uh, <clears throat> during that event, we raised uh, $13,000. So it was, wow. it, was it was awesome. And That's awesome. To date this year, we've raised about 60 and our goal was 75 for the year. So we're like 1500 away from the goal for the entire year. So we have six more months to make that. And that's, it, that's huge. We, we were super worried because it's, you know, it's hard to do something on Facebook for an event, but absolutely, uh, you guys all helped us. It, it was huge. Like we had a thousand people viewing, you know, at that time watching wow. on Facebook, which is, that's amazing. Like, yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm happy if 10 of my friends come to a show. Right. <laughs> you know, a thousand people watching. Well, and if people yeah. want to uh, look into it a little bit more and they want to donate more, uh, they can go to Mito, M-I-T-O, researchfund.org. Uh, and yeah. then they are available on Instagram and Facebook at Mito, M-I-T-O, five, the number five and the letter K. So Mito, five K. So yeah. Mito, researchfund.org. And then on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Mito, five K. Um, Bijan, uh, if they want to get in touch with you, uh, be nice when they, they reach out. Uh, but if they want to follow you and your, your comedy journey, again, you can follow Bijan on Instagram at uh, Bijan, B-I-J-A-N underscore comedy. And on Twitter at Bijan's comedy, B-I-J-A-N-S comedy. So I uh, want to thank you so much, dude, for taking some time today and um, tell us a little about your journey, your story and uh, sharing, um, you know, the, the, the great work you're doing for, for Mito research. And uh, we hope that uh, you can get uh, that remaining balance for this year's goal. And I'm um, looking forward to uh, seeing you soon. And, and thanks again so much, man, for, for coming on. Absolutely. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Yeah. A lot of fun. Let's do this again. Yeah, definitely. All right. Sounds good.